Welcome back to my love letter time machine. Hi, I'm Ingrid Birchall Hughes and I'm serialising the love letters of my great-great-grandparents, Fred Shepherd and Janie Warburton. Travel 140 years back in time with me now, where we take a look at Victorian history through their eyes. And today, Janie seems to be back in Fred's bad books. The pair of them have a proper bust-up over the company that Janie has been keeping. Before we get into things, if you are enjoying Fred and Janie's story, there are a number of ways you can support the podcast. All the sharing, subscribing, clicking on the ratings and leaving reviews really does push the podcast up the listings and helps me out so, so much. So if you have already done that, thank you. That's brilliant. And if you haven't yet, please do consider going to do one or more of those. I'd be really grateful. And I want you to be able to enjoy the show for free. But if you do want to send a tip my way, you could buy me a coffee or be a regular monthly supporter, a bit like Patreon, I guess, over on the Ko-fi page. That's ko-fi.com forward slash my love letter time machine, all one word. And as a thank you to all my monthly supporters, you'll receive a souvenir colour print of one of Fred's and one of Janie's letters. Anyway, back to the show. As you know, I usually like to include a few little historical snippets in between some of the letters to help put everything in context. However, the following sequence of letters is so rich with village gossip, Janie's brother's wedding preparation and home setting up details that I think I should probably just step out of the way and let Janie and Fred speak for themselves. For a change, we start with several of Janie's letters that all turn up in a row. By the way, when Janie refers to our Fred, she means her brother, Fred Warburton, not our Fred in the podcast, Fred Shepherd. Uh, that doesn't really help, does it? I'll do my best. Hansworth, June the 4th, 1882. My own darling husband, I received your welcome and loving letter this morning. You do deserve several marks for the writing. It looks very nice. We are expecting the cricketers from Woodhouse any minute. It is now three o'clock. One eleven is playing at High Green. I am glad my letters do you good, darling. I feel ever so much better for yours. I try to be hopeful and brave, though it is hard sometimes. I want to be a kind and sympathetic loving little wife to you, darling, and make your life as happy as it is possible for me to do. We do feel lonely without each other, love, but it is better that we should feel it so. It does make me realise how much we are to each other. We do love more than ever, my own husband. I am glad the Sadlitz powder did you good. I should only have been too pleased to rest my head on your shoulder, darling. It was a great effort to take the children to the fair. I did feel the parting very acutely, love, but it will not do to let my spirits get down. I'm going to try and be cheerful. We will soon be together again, and we shall just have as happy a time when you come to Darnell Feast. I am sure this has been the happiest Whitsuntide in my life, darling. They have all been happy that I have spent with you, but I think this was the best, don't you, love? Darnell Feast 
will be on July 9th, darling. I don't want you to economise too severely, but I do want you to come then. I wish the railway fares were not so much. I had not the scent locked up. I thought Emma would not touch it, as it wasn't opened. I was taking it out of that drawer to lock it up, when I found that half of it had gone. I will not let it trouble me, love. I shall not have to put up with it very long now. I cannot tell you, love, whether we were successful or not yet. There is no way of telling, only if I cease to be unwell. Of course, the time is not over yet, so we shall have to wait until it is. If it does come off, I should like to be married before our feast, darling, because, as you say, they are not on their best behaviour. I know, love, neither of us would like them to notice anything. I did mention it to Polly, about taking apartments after our marriage, and she thought it a very good plan. She'll have to do that if it does come off, love, shan't we? I almost think now it would be the best thing to do in any case. I told my mother too, and she thought it a good plan. I don't see why we should consider what other people think about it. Do you, love? I have not suffered anything from our intercourse, my darling husband, this time. I have felt better than ever. I am sorry you will not be able to have your trip down to Redcar this afternoon, love. I wish you could, and I was going with you. The weather is dull and heavy this afternoon, and a sight of the sea would do me a world of good. You will be able to take me, love, some day. You'll take the missus out a little bit sometimes, won't you? I wish I could get a letter on Sunday mornings. It would make the Sunday pass more pleasantly, but I can't, love, so I must make the best of my Saturday one. I went down to Mrs Fleer's last night and had the dress fitted one last time, so that is done with now. We are going to buy the furniture on Monday. I shall not give my opinion too strongly. I shall see it will not do. Our Fred can't get off very well on Monday, so Polly, Mother and I are going. I shall take note how the things run. I think they are intending to make £30 do, to furnish all through. I heard our Fred ask my mother if she thought that would be enough. I shall not be able to give you much more now, darling, as there is a general meeting of the club tonight, and Mother is wanting me to help her to wait now. Arthur Hanson and his nephew have just called. Sarah is not very well. I suppose she is near her confinement. It was to come off in May, she told me, but she is going a little over the time, it seems. I haven't time for more, only that I love you more than ever, my darling husband, and remain always your loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. Hansworth, June the 5th, 1882. My own darling husband, I was very pleased to receive your long, loving letter this morning, for which I thank you. It was a treat. I would kiss you for it, love, if you were here. It was very showery all day yesterday. I went to school in the morning. There were only two female teachers at school last Sunday. I shall go every Sunday until you come again, love. Just fancy. Won't it be nice to be together again so soon? I stopped to Sacrament. I thought they would not be busy at home, so I might stay. I expected Emma Gill up to tea in the afternoon, but she must have been afraid to venture, as we had a very heavy thunderstorm about one o'clock, and it looked cloudy all afternoon. I went down the street about three to meet her, as it was fair then. She did not come. I called in Rose, and they would have me stop to tea. Polly and I went to church. 
Our Fred stopped with Mr. Rowe and Mrs. and George. After church, our Fred and Polly went for a walk down the lanes, and I went down the street as far as Laycock's farm with Fanny Makin. Then, when I got back into Handsworth, I met Mary Beardshaw and Polly Smith, another of our teachers, and went back again as far as the bridge with them. As we three came back, we met George Spreckley and John Wilson, and they turned back with us. I left the four standing at the top of the park lane and came home. It was about half past nine. I met John Merrill and Fred Hunt as I went down first time. He said, they were all very well at your house. I know you will love me just as much, darling, if anything happens. I shall want it more then, and I know I can depend on it, my husband. It is so nice to think that we can trust each other fully. It must be hard for anyone to be parted if they feel afraid, but I think there is not much love where they cannot trust each other. I think I shall be all right, love, and that we need not be afraid, but of course I can't tell yet. I know you would spare me all the care and trouble you can, darling, but if I have to bear it, I will bear it bravely. I know you will take me as soon as possible. I wish there was some means of telling. Don't trouble about it, love. I shall never think that you do not really love me. I know you love me, as I love you, and shall do through everything till death us do part. Father was tired out of old Clegg. I am glad you like the tie, love. I will buy you another one for our wedding. My old careful darling, you shall be great, but not in a green one. You shall have the nicest I can get for you. I know you would do anything for your wife. The kisses are very cold on paper, love, not like ours at all. They have just a little warmth in them, especially when that something in your trousers gets rubbing up against my understandings and bursting buttons off, because my naughtiness husband. You did work late on Sunday, love. It is wicked to work on Sunday, but I expect you could not help it. I wish I could have sat with you. I would have been so quiet and not disturbed you a bit, my darling. It is such a pleasure to be near you. I shall feel that I shall be of some service. I shall be near you, and then I shall be your secretary if my services can be of any use to you. I feel that I shall be of some service, if it is only to put you right, love, when you get cantankerous. I do love you, my darling Fred. I am very sorry Alvy and Jarvis have made such a mistake. It is annoying for you, darling. It gives you a lot of extra work to have to always go over theirs. It is tiresome. You will have to blow them up if they are not more careful. You will be obliged to tell Mr Cooper about it. I don't see how you can help it. It was not your fault, love, although it is not nice to say that there has been a mistake, because, of course, Mr Cooper might think you ought to have looked it over. But he is a reasonable man, and I think he will not say much if you tell him how it was done. I wish you could have given me a loving good night, like last Saturday. But as you say, love, we shall be able to wish each other good night, every night, soon, so we will not repine. We did not go to Sheffield to buy the furniture today. It has been so very wet. We are going on Wednesday. I have not time to write more now, love. I will give you another for Thursday. I remain always your loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. Continued. June the 5th, 1882. My own darling Fred, I feel great pleasure in tormenting you with a little more. I do wish you were here to take me for a walk down the lane. It is a nice night after the wet day. Never mind, you'll be able to take me again soon, won't you, love? 
Have you found anywhere to practice yet? Or time to practice, as that will be the difficulty now, darling, now that you are so busy. You'll have to win a few more of their prizes. We have had a drunken party in all day, and they are rather noisy now. Old Johnny Rhodes is drinking again, and he generally has a few respectable mates. I shall owe you a debt of gratitude all my life for taking me out of this business, love. I was mistaken about the cricket match taking place at High Green last Saturday. It is not played until next Monday. Woodhouse beat them last Saturday, 41 to 19, I think. Our Fred's house painting and one room papering is not included in the £30, nor the carpets or oilcloth. I think we could manage very nicely on that love for a time. I think it would be a good plan to take Mr Phillips' advice and get the furniture from the makers. I would get more information from him about it. We shall not do at all badly if we can. Get a suite from there at the same price as you would get a second-rate one at Middlesbrough. Get to know all the particulars, and we will have a long talk about it at Darnall Feast. Mother did not offer any objections to our taking apartments. She seemed to think it a good plan. I've been thinking today, love, that we would not do that, but that you should take the house and get it cleaned and get one that does not require much papering and painting if you can. Mother would very likely want to buy me a wedding present, so I thought I would suggest a bedstead and mattress as she bought our William one, and it could be sent to Middlesbrough, and you could set it up with the bed your mother will give us and buy the dining room suite, and then I could see about all the other things when I get there and take the cooking utensils with me. It would be almost like having a picnic, only a little more work attending to it. I would not mind the trouble and work, darling. It would be rather uncomfortable for you, love, but I would try and have things settled very soon and in ship-shape form. We will talk it over when I see you. I'm getting sleepy now. I wish I could give you such a nice, loving good night on your ginger moustache. It's yours, love, and I like it, though it is ginger. No, it isn't. It's Auburn, and the best in the world. And I love you, my darling, more than ever. And you know, I am never tired of hearing you say you love me. Good night, husband. My darling Fred, good night. Continued, Tuesday, 6th of June. We are going to Sheffield today instead of tomorrow. Haven't time to write more. I remain, as always, your loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. Albert Terrace, Linthorpe Road, Middlesbrough, June the 6th, 1882. My own darling wife, I received your welcome letter this morning, and as the postman was early, I got it before leaving for the exchange. I was very pleased to hear that you stopped a sacrament last Sunday, darling, for I feel that I need a good wife to keep me straight and enable me to do my duty. The part of your letter about going down the street several times after church is very interesting, love. Especially the part which refers to the meeting of yourself and friends with Messrs. Spreckley and Wilson and the subsequent walk home. Of course, I am well aware that the object of Mrs. Macon, Beardshaw and Smith is for nothing else but to meet these fellows. 
But surely you have not that object in view, unless you feel that it is necessary to have a substitute for your long-suffering lover during his unavoidable absence, which so far I have not felt the necessity here. Mr. Spreckley seemingly divides his favours between yourself, Annie Laverack and others, which fact I think marks him as a very agreeable and interesting partner for a Sunday evening's walk. Quite a pleasant change, no doubt, from the previous Sunday evening's enjoyment. There is one important fact which I wish you to always bear in mind, and that is, you belong to me. Absolutely. Which means a good deal to me and my peace of mind. You must not be surprised if you see me some Sunday night before long, and then if anybody is walking you out, there will be a funeral. I shall be very pleased to have you as my secretary, love, when you come here, and in that capacity you may be useful. But I don't feel that, just now, that you will be particularly useful in the capacity you mention. I very rarely think of that when I am away from you. No doubt feeling that way does put a little more warmth in our kisses, but I think you will agree with me that the warmth is mutual, and is especially warm when very mutual, when not only my mouth, but all that I have, is as near as possible to you. I am sorry you could not go to Sheffield on Monday, wifey, as I am very desirous to know whether our estimate was about right. I am afraid it was under the mark, especially in the bedroom, unless we had what I suggested for a start, and then had better one for the front room afterwards. How does that suit your ideas, love? I do wish I had about £200, and then we could furnish throughout without any trouble, and in a style I should like, but unfortunately we haven't. I shall await your letter tomorrow, darling, with pleasure. It is very good of you to give me another one so soon, love. I will give you a warm kiss for it when I come over. Good night, love. Continued June the 7th, 1882. My darling, I received your letter this morning, as I expected, for which I thank you. I wish I could have taken you for a walk down the lane, love. Nothing would have been more pleasurable. I have not had any running practice yet, as I am working until eight every night, and that does not give me much time for running. I expect I shall not be able to run in the sports. Besides, I have not your celebrated sherry to train on this year, love, which will no doubt make a great difference to my speed. I hope you will not be disappointed, darling, if I am not successful this time. I think I have not done so badly in running, even if I have to give up now. Of course, my fame as a runner will be very much diminished if I lose. I am sorry that you have had such noisy company in your house, love, but when we are married, it will be very quiet, I expect, unless you like to kick up a row when you will get stopped quick. I hope you will be grateful, love, for my taking you away from such uncongenial surroundings. I am sure I shall be quite as grateful to you, my darling, for leaving everything to lessen my loneliness here. I don't quite understand your letter, love, about the house. Do you mean that you will be willing to come here with only a bed and the dining room furniture in the house? You say you will bring the cooking utensils with you. You will come back with me, love, won't you? Do you mean that you'll bring them from Sheffield? I think your plan of suggesting a bedstead to your mother is a very good one, love. When would the sheets, etc. come? For I suppose we should require even more than love to keep us warm, though that warms us very considerably sometimes. I have been thinking, love, that if we could keep the cost of everything we spend for the house, 
it would be very interesting information for when we had finished furnishing, and doubly interesting to me being a cost clerk by profession. Would it give you much trouble, darling, to put down all the things you have bought, and the probable cost of others you will have without paying for, keeping those two separate, of course? I wish all the trouble and bother was over, wifey. It makes me feel white at the thought of it. I should try to get the house painted and papering if necessary, love, before you come. Do you mean that you would come here after our marriage, for the first time, love, and not before? I wish you could have given me the loving good night you speak of, darling, but not on my ginger moustache. I don't think it has a trace of ginger in its composition, but if you don't like it I will have it dyed, for I want to please you, even in this matter. You will be able to tell me about the furniture in your next love, won't you? We should not be the first to be inconvenienced with fittings, love, as Mr. Cooper's were without a table two or three days, and Mr. Marcio's had to borrow a table until they got the things squared up a bit. How should we go on about leaving the house while I was away doing the deed? For, unfortunately, I cannot marry you without coming over to do it, which is a lot of trouble to no purpose. I wish it was Darnell Feast, love, for notwithstanding the expense, I should very much like to see you. Just fancy, only a week gone since I left you. It seems an age. Four weeks next Sunday, love, isn't it? The monthly should be a week next Friday, shouldn't it, darling? I wish it was over, darling. Then we should know. If we have to get married before your feast, we should be compelled to take apartments, shouldn't we, love? I have not time for any more, love, so we'll close. I wish it was Friday, and then I should get another from you. I love you, my darling wife, as ever, and will always remain your loving, true and faithful husband, Fred. Hansworth, June the 8th, 1882. My own darling husband, I received your letter this morning. You both hurt and vex me when you talk about my having the same object in view as funny making. I thought we would have a walk down the street and Fanny was going in the same direction, so we walked down together. When I went down with the other two, I asked them if they were going to meet anybody, and she said no. I have not felt the necessity of having a substitute here, even for my long-suffering lover, during his unavoidable absence. I should like to shake you, if I could, for saying that. George Spreckley lodges at Mr Smith's, and as Wilson took Mary Beardshaw, he walked with Miss Smith, and I walked with them just as far as I was obliged, and then I left them. I thought you had learnt to know that I really love you and that I am yours absolutely. I feel rather inclined to be nasty, love, but I won't, because I really did not go with any wrong intention, and I think nor because it would be wrong to do anything of the kind. I mean to walk out with anybody else, and it is what I have never thought of doing. Being your wife, I am as much to you, darling, as if I were really married to you. You may come any Sunday night. I am not afraid of you causing a funeral. I shall only be too pleased to have you. And don't be such a cross old boy again, or I shan't love you if I can help it, my own husband. We did not go to Sheffield on Tuesday. It turned out very wet again, so we had to wait until yesterday. 
We went by the 10 minutes to 11 train and had a full day. They are very good things which Polly has got. We went to places in Fargate, not to the London Furnishing Company. They are all London-made furniture and very flimsy. If we have what you suggested, love, in the bedroom for a start, I think we should manage on £30. I wish you had the 200 but you haven't, love, so we will make the best of the little you have. I see I did not express myself very clearly about the house, love. I mean that I am willing to go to Middlesbrough after we are married with only a bed and the dining room furniture in the house and straighten afterwards instead of going beforehand and take the cooking utensils with me from Hansworth so that I should have something to cook with when I get there and not hope to go out and buy them. It is the general rule that the ladies find all the household linen, sheets, etc. I have two pairs now and shall get all we want by the time, love. We will have a good talk about everything when you come at Darnell Feast. I have not time to say more about anything this afternoon. Polly wants me to help her straighten the furniture, and I'm late now. I love you, my darling, more than ever, and will always remain your loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. P.S. We'll give you a long one for Sunday. Oh gosh, that all really got under Janie's skin, didn't it? Understandably, she hates to be thought of in bad faith. I'm a bit vexed by Fred too. From Fred's letter, it was a little bit hard to tell how much he was being serious and how much he was slightly tongue-in-cheek. But the point is we can see from Janie's reaction that it really landed badly. In the next podcast, we'll discover Fred does his best to smooth things over. And Janie will be in the thick of the last week of the preparations in the run-up to her brother Fred's and Polly Rose wedding. Thank you so much for listening to my Lover to Time Machine. As I mentioned earlier, I'd very much like to share Fred and Janie's story with more people. So if you haven't already, can I ask you to share this podcast with someone you think might enjoy it? You can also find excerpts of Fred and Jane's letters on Instagram at my love letter time machine, or one word. And you can write to me at my love letter time machine at gmail.com. Until next time, take care.